exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap here at 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. My name is Dave Harinku and I'm your host for the next hour as usual. To my left as always, Megan. How you doing, Megan? Oh, great as always, Dave. Thank you. Good. Hope everyone had a nice weekend out there, you guys and our listeners. And actually, we have a special guest in the house tonight. A good friend of mine from back home, Mr. Matt Jackson is in the house. Thanks for having me, Dave. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, no problem. It's going to be a great show. We have a lot to talk about today. We're going to get to some college uh, football, even though the Spartans didn't play something to talk about. Still touch on the Lions. We're going to get some college basketball. Talk a little Detroit Tigers. And as always, the interesting facts to end the show. But let's kick off the show. All right. This weekend, the MSU Spartans did not play. Uh, they had a bye this week. They got to rest up. Get healthy, take some time off, and see what some other teams do out there. Basically, we got a little lucky break. Iowa lost this weekend to Northwestern. Northwestern played a hard-fought fourth quarter, uh, topped the Hawkeyes off. Unfortunately for Northwestern, though, uh, Dan Persa, their quarterback, did go down, and uh, he has been phenomenal for that team. But looking ahead, and this is what I want to do right now, we only have two weeks left in the season. It's really getting down to it. And I'm talking about Rose Bowl, and this is what I want to think about. And I want to start with you, Megan. Do you think the Spartans have a good chance at making the Rose Bowl? I think it really all depends on next weekend. You know, when we have the um, Iowa-Ohio State game. Yes. And that's going to be, that's a huge game for us. In order order for us to, I think, even have a chance, they... Ohio State needs to lose. Yes. They do need to lose. And if we can hold out these next two games against Purdue and Penn State, you know, beat both of them, I think we have an absolute great chance of making it to the Rose Bowl this year. All right, to you, Matt, what are your chances that the Spartans get to the Rose Bowl? I think it's 50-50 right now. I think it could go either way where I can see Ohio State losing. Yeah. So that's possible. But I feel like, you know, like she said, they have to lose. And this game against Purdue should be a win. And then uh, should be another win at Penn State to end the season and hopefully be big-time champions. Well, hopefully. And, I mean, I think that's the thing we have to keep in perspective here. You know, Spartans still have to take care of their business. They need to be Purdue. They need to win at Penn State. And that game at Penn State won't be an easy game. They should easily be able to take care of Purdue. Uh, Purdue's garbage. Uh, even Michigan, with all their turnovers this weekend, Michigan beat them 26-14, one of the sloppiest, most disgusting games. Michigan hasn't had very good games these past No, they games. haven't. I mean, they won. You know, they won, and they should beat Purdue. I mean, they better beat Purdue. Give me a break. And uh, But actually, I'll be, you know, this I've been talking with this with some of my friends. Uh, really, for the first time this year, I'll be rooting for Michigan, uh, like, for two weeks in a row. It's going to be amazing. Well, you got to root for them sometime. Who are you? Well, listen, they play Ohio State at the end of the season, so let's say Iowa doesn't get the job done next week. Well, then it rests on Michigan. I I mean, that's a a lot to to ask for from Michigan. Well, I know, but it's something. But the bottom line for all of our listeners out there that may not understand the BCS system, right now Wisconsin is ranked uh, sixth in the BCS, Ohio State is seventh. 
and uh, Michigan State is 11th. So the bottom line is is that if Ohio State wins out and we win out, since these teams don't play each other, whoever ranks higher in the BCS standings gets the nod for the Rose Bowl. I actually have to correct you. On what? Michigan State is up back down to 12th. They're to 12th? Yeah. I in just, the BCS, yeah, really? I just checked it. Nice. Well, not nice at all, actually. No, but. I think it's because we didn't play, though. I think that was no, that's it. part of it. Yeah. Well, they fell to 12th, unfortunately. But, I mean, the bottom line is that, you know, one number here, one number there, that's not going to change anything. Right. Uh, basically, Ohio State needs to lose. Uh, if Wisconsin wins out still, and we do, and Ohio State loses, we share the tie. We win the tiebreaker because we beat Wisconsin head to head here October first. So basically, Michigan State can only they can you know they can at least get a big a share of the Big Ten title. That's automatically given to them if they went out. So you know they just got to keep it up. Uh, I I personally I don't see Ohio State losing. Uh, that's just me. I really want them to lose. Iowa though last week did not impress me at all. Uh, they just they just looked weak out there, and uh, maybe they can bounce back. Uh, but after two tough games in a row for Iowa, I don't know. Uh, Matt, any other thoughts right now? Well, Dave, it's very hard to win in the Big Ten on the road. I'm sure you know that. Yes. So especially going into this intimidating uh, Iowa Hawkeye Stadium. So I can see, you know, on the contrary, Ohio winning this game. So I you mean Iowa? Iowa, yes. Well, I'm. I just I I just want to look at you know. Uh, coming off the Wisconsin loss with Iowa coming to us, how big of a butt kicking they gave us, and then yeah. I'm I don't know they might have that same kind of a drive to to beat Ohio State, and that's that's what I want to see from them. I mean, the one time you know we had Brian on the show earlier this year, and the one time <laughs> I'm going to be with Brian rooting for Iowa would be against Ohio State this upcoming weekend. Yeah, I mean, basically all the teams we really rooted against for a lot of the season got to get on their bandwagon now because uh, we need them to beat you know Ohio State basically, and nonetheless, and I think this is a better question. I want to post to the listeners out there, everyone. If if Michigan State does not make the Rose Bowl, what kind of feeling does that make you have for the end of the season? Uh, the number is 517-432-3893. That's 517-432-3893. Do you find the season a disappointment if they just don't get to the Rose Bowl? Because basically, if they don't make it to the Rose Bowl, this team's going to be playing in the Capital One Bowl game. All right, It's going to be a New Year's Day Bowl game. You know, Florida, you know, it's going to be an exciting game. But it won't be the Rose Bowl. So for our listeners out there, give me a call if you have any feeling on that. Just because, I mean, personally, I still find it is an amazing season. Uh, a team going 11-1, and one, something that I know none of us thought was going to happen when this season started. You said like 8-4. and I said 8-4. and four. Yeah. I, I was at 8-4, and four, and I think maybe maybe Johnny was at 9-3, and three, I think possibly. That's like the best. I don't uh, remember what I did. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> so long ago. Five and seven. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I think I, think I gave him a winning season at least. I, I, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think we were both really at eight and four. Uh, Matt, where did you see this team, uh, you know, at the start of this year as to where they are now? I mean, this team is, you know, ten and one, I mean, 11 and one, sorry, no. nine and one by week. Uh, two weeks left. I mean, did you see them having this great of a season up to this point? No, as much as I want to say yes, I really didn't. I was hoping it'd be one of those nine and three seasons. Yeah, that seemed pretty realistic to me. And then just this has been a memorable season. They rallied behind Coach D'Antonio, you know, with the heart attack and the struggles through that. Came through, had some great victories. It's been a great season already for us. So I'm happy no matter what. Right now, I think it's a big improvement from last year, and I think it. Uh, it sets up the standards very high for next year as well, too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this team has a very good program, and uh, you know that's what you, you look forward to. Even no matter how this season ends, no matter how they fare in their you know bowl game, whatever it might be, you know it's a good season for them. Uh, you just have to be you know positive about that, and you know if they don't make the Rose Bowl, big deal. They have they have the they have the squad to do it next year. So uh, we got a phone call real fast. So let's take the call. Hey, you're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. 
Hi, this is Lisa. I was calling about if Michigan State doesn't go to the Rose Bowl. Yes, what do you think about that, Lisa? Would you still be happy with the season? Oh, yes. They uh, outdid my expectations and want the Rose Bowl, but Rose Bowl or not, those Spartans did a dang good job. Yes, uh, exactly. I mean, Rose Bowl would be phenomenal, but uh, even just to play in a New Year's Day Bowl again at 11-1 and would be something this school hasn't seen in a long time. Um, I, I guess they did play in a New Year's Bowl game, uh, I think, two years ago against Georgia when we were 9-3. and But uh, what was your, I guess as a fan, uh, what was your favorite game of the season? Oh, jeez. Michigan. Michigan. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> always, always. I love kicking some Wolverine butt. No, it was great, and uh, unfortunately, I will become a Wolverine fan for the next two weeks. But that will... I can't do it. I can't do it. Might have to disown Dave over I here. I can do it for the Spartan's <laughs> sake. I do it for Spartan Nation. Okay, but uh, at least I really appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye bye. So yeah, and I think that's a sentiment of uh, most people out there right now. It's dropping the call. I hit hold accidentally when I'm dropping the call. It's pretty funny. It's a struggle. Yeah, I'm like double, triple tapping it. All right, but uh, let's get uh, back to the sports wrap. Uh, we are going to move away from the Spartans for a quick moment because we need to talk about a team that uh, usually is uh, upsetting. It's uh, a very annoying team. We know them. They're the Detroit Lions. And the Detroit Lions played this weekend. Uh, they faced an 0-8 Buffalo Bills team. Uh, this team was the only winless team in the NFL up to this point. And the Bills actually got it done. Who would have guessed that the Buffalo Bills, the only team not with a win, beat the Detroit Lions. Um, quite annoying as lo- as much as this is annoying. <laughs> I think This game had to have killed everyone's spirit. Every, every Lions fan has to be crying right now. After that game, uh, just <laughs> honestly, you lose to a, a winless team. Well, you know, and I'll and I said this week before, the Bills are a better team than zero and eight. They the last three losses they had were by a combined nine points. Uh, they lost two games in overtime to you know two pretty good teams, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, who are you know one of the probably top five teams in the in the league, and uh, then they took a team like uh, I believe it was Kansas City right to the wire. So I mean they're not terrible losses. The problem is the Lions have terrible losses. That's what I get sick of. Um, just the futility with this team. Uh, they can't get it done. They just don't have a winning mentality, and that's just what I see week to week. To lose twelve to fourteen to Buffalo. Buffalo didn't play a great game. Buffalo didn't outplay us. We just yet again five for nineteen on third down efficiency penalties up the wazoo i mean that's 11 penalties for 60 yards you're just shooting yourself in the foot we talk about this every week mm-hmm. i think megan we do with the lions it's just penalties turnovers now they only threw one interception this game they weren't tor- turnover happy but their offense was so stagnant that they couldn't move the ball down the field uh now matt uh did you catch this game by chance i caught a little bit of the last i'd say you know 10 minutes or so Okay, and what uh, what did you I mean get a, get from this game the final ten? Because I think the final ten was probably the most exciting ten of the whole game. Well, I saw a few things. I saw a lot of penalties. I saw a few drop passes, a few big opportunities that were missed. Yeah, definitely and a lot of drop passes. In the last play, they got the chance to to go for the two and tie it up, and he pretty and what much do they just do? throws it away. He throws it ten yards past the end zone. He threw. <sighs> yeah, I could have thrown a better pass in there, Dave. I don't know what he was thinking. I know. I think I think we all could have. I think every and I'm not getting down on Sean Hill. I don't want to get down on Sean Hill. Sean Hill did have a decent game. Uh, they rushed this guy back. He fractured his left forearm just a few weeks ago. They rushed him back. And Sean Hill, you know, he was 29 for 50, uh, 50, 50 attempts. I mean, when you have your quarterback throwing the ball that many times, especially after rushing him 
back. I don't blame this guy for being a little off, for just being a little rusty. Uh, you know, he threw a TD. He threw one pick. You know, it, it, it wasn't the end of the world. He did what he could. The problem is we don't have a running game. And I think we've we, all Lions fans have noticed this just kind of completely get worse and worse as the weeks go on. The Lions only had 76 total rushing yards. Um, it was just they, they couldn't get anything going on the ground. Uh, Javid Best has not looked the same. This guy, 17 carries, 35 yards. I mean, he was averaging two yards a carry. The hole collapses before he can even get there. Um, I believe ever since that turf toe injury, Javid Best has just not been the same. Okay, for the record, I'm not a bad football player, and I probably could have played. Uh, I believe it. I believe it. Anyway, but my point is, just checking out even the statistics, we outdid them on almost everything. There's just no reason we should have lost. Well, what's new? I mean, we gave up way too many rushing yards, 151. So, I mean, they were able to eat up the clock a little bit on us. I don't know. Honestly, I didn't even watch much of this game because I I knew I had a feeling. I picked this in the preseason for us to win this game because it looked like a pretty good win. But after the way they lost to the Jets, such a demoralizing victory. I can't get that victory still has a sour taste in my mouth that the Jets got. And the fact I just didn't see them bouncing back from this, not with Stafford going down, not having, you know, they might as well cut Drew Stanton. I'm sick of this. Why do we have this kid? I like him. I mean, he's a Spartan, but he hasn't played. He sits on the bench like four years straight. Right. He then was, they ru- wasn't he supposed to play Sunday? He was. And then until midweek to like Thursday. And then Sean Hill had that cast on. They were talking about it. I know the commentators were. Um, yeah. I they were like, yeah, the whole cast, and I don't even know why that. Well, maybe they didn't play Stanton, but um, it didn't make sense to me. No. <laughs> he just looked. He looked like an injured person. I just feel like they just don't have any faith in Stanton. Obviously, if you're gonna rush a guy back from injury. Like that, and I mean, if he takes a bad hit, you know, I mean, he's going to be out for the rest exactly. of the season. They obviously have no faith in Drew Stan, and you know, Drew Stan, he does show, you know, glimpses of, you know, he's a mobile quarterback. But he only the only times you see him, he's in there for a series in the game. He's in there for a quarter. I've never seen this kid play one full game in my life, mm-hmm. and at this point, might as well let him go. I mean, I just I, I kind of yeah. get tired. I can't believe how long he's been on the team. I think he's like a fourth year rookie. I feel like, and he just sits there and sits there. I know a lot of guys got to wait to get their chance, yeah. but. But you're right. To rush someone back from an injury like that because you don't have any faith in your third-string quarterback is, is a problem. Yeah. That, that's obviously there's a problem with that situation right there. And like you're saying, yeah, get rid of him. That's, I, I'm sure he's good. I mean, but we haven't really given him much of a chance. He's decent, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he, he's okay. Yeah. I mean, with the opportunities he's had, I mean, can you even expect him to have that good of a repertoire? I mean, just, you know, being comfortable on the field, being comfortable in those kinds of moments. Like, we, we put him in, in the Jets game on third and six, and it's, you know, first down, we win this game if we get this first down. But, you know, just, you know, he didn't have his, he wasn't aware he should have taken a sack, but he throws the ball into the turf. That's a bad play call on Jim Schwartz's part. And I'm still going to get on Schwartz because I think Schwartz hasn't been doing his job as well as he should be right now. Now, uh, Matt, looking at the schedule coming up, uh, you have at Dallas next week, and then we're playing uh, the New England Patriots on Thanksgiving. So do you think the Lions have a chance of getting a win next week at least? At Dallas, do you see this as a potential victory? No, I don't. And why is that? So matter of fact. I, I mean, just feel like with the Lions, they they've been beaten down so much over the seasons, and they just don't go out there and play with heart and motivation. They really need to just you know lash out and get back at everybody that always you know hates on the Lions for losing. They need to go out there and play with some momentum. And I think last game's only going to drag them down and the morale. Uh-huh. I don't think they're going to be able to beat the. Well, I mean, I think the Jets' loss is terrible. Uh, this loss against the Bills. You know, it really stinks. I, I mean, this listen. This is twenty. This is the twenty fifth straight road loss this team has had. 
I mean, they've eclipsed their own record of futility. This team had the longest uh, road loss record from 2001 to 2003, and now they've beaten it. Um, that's why I can never pick the Lions next week against Dallas. They haven't won a road game in three years. When can I pick a road game for them? Probably never. I mean, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, let's see. The next road game after at Dallas, they're at Tampa Bay, and that's probably another loss, too. Tampa's a pretty decent team. The funny thing is... I called the game before it even started. Did you? I said, <laughs> I, I was sitting there watching it. Are they going to win? Absolutely no. not. It, it's an away game. I mean, they have so much pressure on them to win. I think they just kind of break under it. You know, the problem is, is that you see, like, you know, I think, you know, both of you guys were both saying that, you know, this team has talent. We obviously know they have talent. Calvin Johnson, even though we had some untimely dropped passes there in the fourth quarter. The guy had a really good game. I mean, Calvin Johnson, 10 receptions, 128 yards, uh, you know, had a pick. I mean, he was targeted 14 times. I mean, you know, Hill was obviously truly trying to get the ball to him. Uh, the problem is, is, you know, missed tackles. Just, you know, bad, you know, when you have the ball with good field position, you turn it over, three and outs real fast. You know, this team, I mean, like I said, five for 19 on third downs, that hurts you. I mean, that means we had a lot of, we had a lot of possessions and we just never could convert. Um, it's just, it's a tough loss still. I think any loss is a tough loss. Uh, at this point, I mean, this team is two and seven. And, I mean, how can it get much worse? I mean, I know they're getting close to my preseason pick of four wins, but, <laughs> I, you know, I'd rather be wrong, like always. I'd rather be wrong in any pick against a team like this. I just. How can I go differently? I think they need to clean up their penalties. I think that's the biggest thing with them right now. They do have the talent. They have the talent to win. They have the talent to beat good teams if they just come together and you know pull through all the whole entire game rather than, well, we're going to play a little bit the first quarter, maybe a little bit the third, and I don't know, maybe a little bit in the fourth. But, you know, they they just need to clean up their penalties. Like, I think their first possession, they had two or three penalties. Then the first possession were punting from inside their own end zone, like... It's just it's stuff like that that's going to kill your team and you're not going to win. Oh, definitely. And I mean, like you know, the problem is they have such a poor run defense. I mean, look, they give up you know 133 yards to Jackson on Buffalo. That's you know, especially when you can't run the ball. That means they're controlling the clock. You know, Fitzpatrick. This guy's not some amazing quarterback, but you know he took some licks in this game. This guy got hit hard and he got he bounced right back up. I imagine Stafford being shattered in two, uh, taking some of the hits he took this weekend. Uh, you know, no offense, Stafford, but you know, poor. Lindahl to me right now, my, you know, in my opinion, uh, you know, the Lions just needed they need to play 60 minutes. They don't play 60 minutes, and that's what gets them. And you know, I've, I'll go over it again, like with the Jets game. I don't think this team has a winning mentality. They a lot of these players. You have a lot of young players. I mean, let's think about it. This team has won four games in the last two years so far. Three years at three years technically. Yeah, Owen sixteen the year before. I mean, that just breeds a certain kind of like that. You just don't know how to win. You don't know how to close games. You can have your spurts. You can have your good moments. But when it comes down to the end, when it comes down to a final play, a final drive, this isn't Peyton Manning leading the offense. You know, this is you know. I mean, no offense. This is Sean Hill, and this is a team that always puts themselves in the spot that it has to be the last play. It has to be a two point conversion to tie the game with fourteen seconds left. No, they can't put themselves in a better spot. It has to come down to some final stupid play, and he throws it out of the back of the end zone. You throw it in the end zone, and it doesn't matter if it gets picked off. It doesn't matter if you get sacked. It doesn't matter if you fumble. This is the final play of the game. Just throw it in there. Just throw the ball in the end zone. It's just, you know, it's like those little decisions. Like, they get themselves so close, and then they, you know, some stupid decision, some bad coach, coaching call, bad timeout. Ah. Nothing to lose, all or nothing. That's the thing. Yeah, all or nothing. You know, I just <laughs> at I, this point. 
I can't know. I I mean, I just don't know how people put up with this team. I don't know how I put up with this team. They, they drive me insane. Because we're, we're from Michigan. I know. It's our hometown team. You know, we do it all the time, no matter how, how much they or how bad they are. It's just like we accept this, right. this crap. I mean, and the thing is, at Dallas, you know, two weeks ago, this was looking like a, maybe a potential easy win, especially after almost beating the Jets. But Dallas just actually beat the Giants on the road 33-20. to uh, Kitna was looking good for the Dallas Cowboys. I guess we should get him back to the Lions. Uh, maybe, you know, get Roy Williams back. As soon as they leave, they're all good. Yeah, well, I mean, they had a good game at least. I mean, Kitna had some poor games uh, before that after Romo got injured. But, you know, they look good against the Giants. So, and, you know, Dallas, listen, they still got a lot of pride. They started off 1-7, which was god-awful. They're going to try and turn this thing around. And who knows? Try and win out. Uh, you know, when Tony Romo comes back, who knows? Listen, this team's hosting the Super Bowl. The Cowboys want to give themselves every chance to get into the playoffs at least. Uh, kind of embarrassing if you don't when you're, everyone's projecting you to be the Super Bowl contender in the preseason. But like I said really fast, the last few games after the Dallas Cowboys, we have the New England Patriots for the Thanksgiving Day game. And then we're home with the Bears and home with the Packers. So, you know, we'll see where this team heads from here. Like I said, they got talent, but the problem with that is that talent alone usually does not win you football games. You need to have it all around. It needs to be in the coaching staffs, the coordinators, and honestly, even just you know the higher ups. The coach needs to prepare these guys to execute, and he's obviously not. When there's that many penalties week to week, when you're the most penalized team in National League of Football, you need to fix something. Because when the team is struggling just to win, those penalties are just their game changers. The team hasn't been turning the ball over as much as they've been prone to in previous years. But at the same time, penalties almost can be worse. They're negating touchdowns. They're giving team chances at extra possessions in our red zone. They might, they might as well be just as bad as a fumble or as an interception. Because sometimes they're putting that team in that position. But listen, we're going to take a quick break, a little early break, but why not? Uh, when we come back, we're definitely going to be talking some Michigan State college basketball. After that, get to the Detroit Pistons actually doing a little bit better uh, after this weekend. And uh, like I said, touch on the MLB, and as always, the interesting facts. You're listening to Spartan Sports Rap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. 
Welcome back to the Sparring Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. And don't forget that phone number, listeners, 517-432-3893. We're talking college basketball, the Spartans. So if you have any opinions on these Spartans this season, how you think their season's going to go, what you project for them, and what you thought of them stomping out the Eastern Michigan Hurons or Eagles. So uh, give us a call. Definitely like to hear your thoughts. But, yes, yeah, so let's get to the college basketball. Uh, Michigan State started off their regular season uh, Friday against Eastern Michigan, and they beat them bad, 96-66, to 66, uh, completely stomped on them. And I want to go to the person who was at the game. Uh, Megan, you were there. Yes. And what did you think? Um, I mean, seeing as it's only our third game of the season. Yeah. Uh, it's our first. It was our first season game. Um, I mean, obviously, there's still some things to work on. There's some things that I saw. Um, they had a lot of penalties too. I mean, that seems to be a good trend with Michigan State teams. A lot of fouls. Um, yes, definitely. Yeah, a lot of lot of fouls. Um, but other than that, they they did well. They kept their composure. They didn't, you know, sink down to the level of Eastern and play like them. Uh, but yeah. once once we got in our second string, things started to get kind of a little crazy, and balls like basketball was going out of bounds everywhere and flinging everywhere. But before that, uh, it was it just it, they got so far ahead, it just wasn't a game anymore. Uh-huh. And I see I see great things for them. I mean, what are they second? They're ranked second right now behind Duke. Yep, second behind Duke. And I I see great things coming for them. They they've got a lot of talent, especially with their freshmen. I mean, we had um, Adrian Payne. Who is a great freshman center? Yeah, he looks like he's got some explosiveness. He to him. is so athletic and he's so tall. And I, I was reading how he uh, can actually touch over the rim without even jumping. That's how tall he is. Really? This kid is a big, big, big kid. Oh, that's and, impressive. Uh, yeah, and I just they just have the talent and the ability and the skill uh, to I think just just dominate this year. All right, Matt. I mean, you watched the game. You weren't privileged enough to go to it, <laughs> right? But uh, you, you, you were out, able to watch it from your couch. Uh, yeah. What did you think of these Spartans? What well, impressed you the most? And actually, I'll say this: everything was kind of impressed. What What did you worry about the most when you saw question marks? Well, my question mark has always been for the past few seasons on this team is turnovers because of their high energy style of play. They like to move up the court very fast. Mm-hmm. And they'd like to move in transition at the same time. They all hustle back, play tough defense, and crash the boards. Everyone does. So Definitely. When you have that kind of uh, style of play, that requires a lot of depth on your bench. And I think that is exactly what highlights this team. They got two freshman players coming in to complement this team very well. Can both run. Both athletic. I mean, I definitely like Keith Applin. He's a solid, he's a tough-nosed point guard. He would fit in perfect in Tom's, uh, Tom Ezzo's system. And I really see Summers and Lucas uh, really rising to some superstar level here. And I expect a lot from this team. The only thing that uh, anything but a national championship would be a disappointment for this team. Uh-huh. I mean, that is what Draymond said. And I, the whole team, I assume, has that consensus. Um, so you believe, do you believe, actually, Matt, that if they don't win a championship, are you disappointed in the season? Let's say they get to the Final Four again. Let's say they get to the championship game. They lose it. I would How do you be, feel? I would think. It's I mean, a I know we're getting really far ahead, but I think it's a disappointment because, you know, elite programs are defined by championships, not Final Fours. Yeah. So it's it's time to get another one. No, I mean, I definitely agree. I, I, it's about time. I mean, you can only brag about how many Final Fours Tom Izzo's been to. 
you know, it is time to win a championship again. Uh, just like, I mean, if you think about it, even with the Detroit Pistons, yeah, in Detroit, we remember six straight Eastern Conference finals, but you know what? The rest of the country doesn't. It comes down to rings. It comes down to championships. The Spartans better be cutting down those nets come April. And they have the team to do it. I mean, you guys already mentioned most of the players. Uh, you know, I mean, I think, uh, you know, Draymond is really going to be, again, just a beast for us. Oh, yeah. uh, Derek Nix is really coming along. Uh, you know, a horrible free throw shooter, like you said. The Shaq of Michigan you know, State yeah. basketball. Ben Wallace out there just <laughs> airballing it. But, uh, you know, we do have some good young talent. Uh, Keith Applin, he had a good game. 14 points, you know, for his first game as a freshman. Three for four from the field. Uh, one for one from three-point land. Made all of his free throws. He was seven for seven. So it looks like he's definitely going to be a fixture at the line. You know, can, you know, quick, easy points that way. Uh, but like you said, the turnovers. Uh, Darrell's got to take care of that. Darrell had five turnovers. Uh, you can't be doing that. And at the same time, even Applin, Applin at five. He's a freshman, though. He had some jitters. He's going to work that out. And I think Izzo's going to be able to work him in better just so he doesn't maybe have to take, you know, take too much control of the ball. He can kind of come off screens a little bit more, take some drives to the basket, shoot the jumpers. I think the one thing they really need to work on that I noticed is most basketball games are won on defense. Their defense and their rebounding, their defensive rebounding, wasn't exactly... A, are phenomenal. Nice. That's one thing I didn't notice. I, I don't know how many kids around me were yelling, where's the defense? Rebound? Like that kind of stuff, you know? And that's one thing, you know, when I play basketball in high school, that's one thing that our coach would constantly tell us is games are won on defense. I mean, yeah. if you don't have a defense, you're not going to stop the ball and they're going to keep scoring. And that's one thing that I noticed they really need to work on is their rebounding and their defense. They do. I mean, they did. They out-rebounded Eastern, but that's not really impressive. Uh, you know, they had uh, they had 13 more boards than Eastern did. The thing is, they did get out-rebounded on the offensive rebounds. Uh, they only had nine offensive boards. They allowed Eastern 13. Uh, the other, they did do great in blocks. This team's pretty long. Uh, they had 10 blocks in this game. Again, I can't put too much on playing Eastern. We are at the start of the season. What their next game is at South Carolina. Uh, we're playing here against yeah, South tomorrow. Carolina. Yes. Here uh, tomorrow, 10 o'clock is tip-off. So, you know, Michigan State, we still got a long ways to go. This is just the beginning. Great time for it to get going because college football is coming to an end. Uh, sad. But uh, definitely right, both of you. Turnovers are terrible. 20 turnovers total for this team. Definitely need to work on that. Uh, this has always been the thing that has plagued this team is turnovers and just ill, just Ill times. Uh, if the team stays healthy, I see no reason why they won't be facing probably a Duke, Kansas, K-State. They have to say smart. I mean, Lucia's got in a little bit of trouble. He didn't play. Yeah. And they just need to stay smart. We can't have, you know, another Chris L. Rucker on our basketball team. We can't afford that. We I mean, better with not. our basketball players, especially our starters. No. This team can't afford just having guys going out, getting DUIs. Chris L. Rucker. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's all right. Listen, people make mistakes, and I understand that. There's not a problem with that. No. The problem is, is when you make too many mistakes, okay? This is a privilege. I've said it before. If you this kind of, did this kind of stuff and you had a career kind of job and you're in jail and you missed... No, they're going to fire you. And, you know, just like with a football team, a basketball team, a hockey team, doesn't matter what it is, pros, college level, it's a privilege to play on it, and you can't take that for granted. Hopefully, the football and basketball program have basically figured this out. I, I'd like to go at least a full year and a half without any incidents. 
on this campus. Unless maybe it's a riot. But you know, nah, that's only if we win and let's keep that's it tame. That's only in March. That's only in March. <laughs> Cedar Fest. A Cedar Fest, <laughs> which used to be much better. Now it's calmed down. Oh, a lot. Yeah. I, I remember the original Cedar Fest. I wasn't and here. it was Bedlam. I was, just, I was still senior in high school, so I missed the good one. Yeah, it was it was intense. Last year, they just they didn't let anybody cross the street. You cross the street, they arrested yeah. you. See, I, I think I'm too old to go to... Uh, You're too old of, now? I think I'm too old. <laughs> yeah, it's like 24 turning 25. Like, what am I doing out here? Like, you know, one one in the morning. <laughs> just walking around. Just walking around. Like, I don't know anybody down here. But <laughs> the team, the, they, they lost. <laughs> but uh, let's take a quick call, all right? All right, uh, Joseph, you're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, how you doing? Yeah, I was going to comment on the basketball team this year. I went to both first two, uh, to both exhibition and the Eastern game. Okay, nice. One, one key thing that I was I saw out there was Draymond Green and the leadership that he brought, and he was hitting that three ball. Nice. Because last year, I thought maybe we'd see a little bit of that. And, you know, if he can hit that shot this year, he, he's become such a versatile player, rebound, and, and just do everything that we need him to do to become that next step. Oh, definitely. Now, who, uh, Joseph, who, who would you say is like the other kind of X factor for this team for this season for them to propel them really to a national championship? You know, I, I think it's our depth. Okay. Uh, really, you can name any of the guys on last year's team. They're getting, they're getting playing time. Keeper's getting in there. Thornton's getting in there. Uh, it, it's our depth, and you need you need that depth for the for the long run in the tournament. No, I definitely agree, Joseph. I mean, I think this team is, I mean, that's the great thing that Kalen Lucas, Darrell Summers, these guys came back. Uh, they want to win a national championship. They could have went to the NBA. You know, not the time. I think this team looks fantastic. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I've always loved Draymond. He's one of my favorites on this team, actually. So uh, thanks a lot for the call, Joseph, and uh, go Spartans. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, you said it earlier, Matt. It's the depth of this team, really. This team goes really deep, and uh, that's why they are going to be successful. I mean, they, they will make a deep run in this tournament. You never know. This team, they have to stay healthy. And I know that's, you know, it's, it's obvious, it's cliche, but you do have to stay healthy. You need to stay healthy all the season. You know, look at Robbie Hummel. Robbie Hummel goes off for Purdue, and Purdue goes down. Uh, I mean, they're not dead. They still have Etwan Moore and a guy I can never remember the name of. You know, me and Matt, you got, we tried to think about it earlier. Remember that guy, that other guy on uh, Purdue, Etwan Moore and somebody? I think it's uh, Dewan Johnson. Yeah, Dewan, 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 I think Dewan Johnson. Something. Like Dewan Howard, maybe. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> Dewan Howard, he's on Purdue. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, but to my point is that, you know, injuries, just one guy can really, you know, if, you know, Kalen Lucas goes down again with some kind of, you know, horrible ankle injury, you know, that could completely change the makeup of this, this team for the run. Can't say that. I'm not jinxing him. You're going to, though. Oh, if he gets injured, I bet I'm going to get a lot of hate mail and uh, death threats. Everyone's going to be after you. Like, remember that Spartan Sports Rap episode? All right. <laughs> We're going to move on, though. Please. Please. All right. I'm not jinxing Kalen No Lucas. jinxing people. All right. Spartans are going to have a great run. It's going to be a great season. I'm excited that it's here. I love basketball. I've always said it. Basketball is my favorite sport. Always has been growing up, and gotta love it. Gotta love it when you have a great program like the Spartans do. Always in contention, and let's not take them for granted. Like I said, even if they don't win it, they make a deep run. We can't take that for granted. Most teams would just die to be even close to where we're at. But let's go to a different basketball team, a team in the NBA, the Detroit Pistons. Now the Pistons, after their really rough start, they started off zero and five. Uh, struggling pretty poorly. Uh, they're actually they've won four of their last five. 
This team right now is four and six. They just came off uh, another win uh, the other night against the Sacramento Kings. They end up beating the Kings. I believe it was one hundred two to ninety four, and uh, it was a good game. Uh, I, I watched uh, about half this game. It cost us caught caught the second half. Excuse me, and uh, the Pistons almost blew it. Uh, it was a close game again. Um, they had a 99-94 lead, and that was really because of a huge three-pointer by Ben Gordon. And Ben Gordon has been playing fantastic basketball. This guy really right now, hands down, a uh, star of our team, coming off the bench most of the time and still getting it done. Uh, he's shooting well. I'm impressed to see that they have won two out of three so far on the West Coast. Uh, I think that's a tough thing to do for any East Coast team, especially an East Coast team like the Pistons that just continue to struggle, always on the West Coast. Last year they were 3-12 and on the West Coast, and that kind of play just is not going to get it done. But still, they won. They're 4-6. and six. We're 10 games in. 10 games into the season. Matt, me and you, big, you know, huge Pistons fans. What do you think of this team, man? Well, when the season first started, you know, obviously I was very doubtful of the team. Yeah. But I see that they come together in a weird way to sometimes somehow make the game work and go their way and win. I really think that the spotlight's on Stucky this year. Dumars gave him the keys of the franchise. It's kind of shaky last year, so eyes are going to be on him. If he doesn't deliver, he might be on the block, but he's leading the team in points per game this year and 16.4 points per game and assists, 5.9. Might as well make it 6. Yeah, might as well. Close and, enough. Um, right, behind, right behind him in points is Ben Gordon at 16 points per game. So he's like our Jason Terry coming off the bench, sixth man that come in and provides some instant offense. So I also think uh, a bright spot for the Pistons coming up is Greg Monroe developing throughout the season. I really think he's going to take Ben Wallace's starting spot soon. Ben Wallace's. You think real soon? I think within 20, 30 games he'll be, he'll okay. be starting instead of Ben Wallace. Because I mean, you think he's going to be playing I mean, how many minutes? you talking like 26? Or like, are we talking like 30? I mean, are we talking like just like, you know, low to mid 20s? Are we talking like. 32 minutes. I mean, I just don't know if Greg Monroe can play those well, kind of minutes Well, it's hard yet. to say because he is a rookie, and yeah. you know, we don't know how long he, they're going to test him at that spot. But I think he will move in that starting spot because Ben Wallace, he doesn't have much to offer. He doesn't provide offense. So we well, need I mean, someone in there he, to provide some offense, too. Yeah, he doesn't provide him offense, necessarily. He creates a lot of things that just never show up on the stat sheets in the box scores. Just the, you know, the random you know, tip backs for offensive rebounds, quick little steals. Yeah, he is a god-awful free-throw shooter, and his hands have really gotten pretty bad under the net. Mm-hmm. But... You know, unfortunately, right now he is the best we have at center. I've always liked Ben Wallace's tenacity. Uh, he brings a lot of just fury when he comes off the bench, or even when he starts at times. But this team needs to get bigger in the front court. I said it last week. I'll keep saying it until Joe Dumars does something, or until we actually start developing Greg Monroe more. I think he does need to play more minutes. I think you know this. This isn't football. You can't just he can't learn sitting on the bench. The guy needs to play. He needs to kind of. He just needs to get a feel for the team, and more or less, this team needs to develop a chemistry. And I know that's what we were talking about, Matt, earlier today. Is that every time I've watched this team this season, I don't feel that they gel at all. You look at the players on the court, and you just kind of think, "What's that hodgepodge of guys doing there?" Well, we have right. Charlie V. You got Tracy McGrady, Rodney Stuckey. I mean, Ben Gordon. It's like you don't even. I kind of. <laughs> who does what, right? Who takes the last shot? You got a lot of good players. No one really knows their defined role. It's not like a structured Lakers team, a Magic team, a Boston team. Everyone knows their spot. So that's why it leads to a lot of crazy basketball, a lot of turnovers, a lot of ups and downs. And the Pistons are a very streaky team, as you can see how they already started the season off. Yeah. 
And I mean, they they should have won a lot of those games they started that season off with. Uh, they should have beaten New Jersey. Jersey. A brutal loss. They had a seven point lead with like a buck some buck thirty four left and blew that. They, you know, they sh- they could have at least made Oklahoma City in game number two get something a little tougher than a layup with a second left to win the game. And then they blow a twenty one point lead against Chicago yeah, was- in the third game it was just atrocious. So this team has talent. I, I feel like I'm talking about the Lions talent, but just not enough. I mean, it's like, but honestly. Honestly, I mean, this team, they have pieces. Again, it's the chemistry. You have so many shooting guards on this team. I mean, you look at Ben Gordon, you look at Rip Hamilton. Like I've a lot said, of guards. I, yeah, a ton of guards. I mean, I think Rodney Stuckey is really, I think he's a shooting guard, but, you know, he has to play the point. I think he'd do better at shooting guard, but, I mean, and then you got still Tayshon in the small, Tracy McGrady in the small. I mean, I know they can play higher up. They can play higher, you know, they can play the you know power forward, but that makes us so small against these other teams. You know, they're not going to get anything done. Uh, this is my last year for John Kuster. It's no offense to him. He's inherited a tough situation. You know, last year wasn't easy. And, you know, this year's not easy either, obviously. But I think, you know, he needs to come up with a more consistent starting five and kind of get these guys, get the, like you said, get them defined in their roles. Get them comfortable and when they're coming off the bench and when they're going to start. Where, you know, what their, just what their job is. Because right now, it just seems like a hodgepodge of guys that get on their streaks and have good nights. I mean, Stucky had a good night against the Kings, 17 points. He played a really good game. But, you know, he needs to keep that up. I mean, if you look at Villanueva, what was it, two nights ago against the uh, Clippers, he had a 31-point game. Shot lights out. Absolutely lights out. Five for, uh, I mean, he only missed, I think, like six shots. Hit most of his threes, five for seven from three-point land. But Villanueva is so streaky, you can't count on that. And, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you've watched, you know, many Pistons games. I think Hamilton looks very bored on the court. I mean, Rip looks like he he doesn't want to be there. It looks like Hamilton and Tayshaun, you know, kind of did what they had to do there. You know, they had a good run in Detroit, and now they're getting older, and, you know, they see the decline of this team. Once a great, prestigious, you know, organization, Detroit Pistons, now it just kind of seems like an average club here in the NBA. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're below average right now. That's for definitely, we're not average, this team. I mean, that brings up up the ownership (laughs) problem again, though, too. I know, and there has been a little bit more about that. Has there? A little bit. um, Basically, they had some report of Tom Gore's, who is uh, he's a financier? He's a billionaire entrepreneur kind of guy. Of course, and he is he is actually he's a graduate of Michigan State, and uh, you know he has he has interest in the Pistons. Uh, he's just expressed that since uh, things have been taking a while, but you know he even said if things don't work out exactly with Il- he might just want to you know go in with Illich you know put uh-huh. some money up with him as you know he is a financier. Um, I just it will get done soon enough. I mean this is I you know I should have had a feeling that this was going to take longer than they made it seem. It's been up in the air for way. To work Work out these numbers. They have been able to come up with figures. There's just so much at this. You know, you can't really screw this up. They're going to take their time. It stinks that you know this team is in limbo because it puts Joe handcuffs on Joe Dumars. He's not going to really want to make too many moves when you know other teams. Well, where's this team kind of going right now? But I mean, the team. You can't get down on it too bad. We did just mention six straight Eastern Conference Finals appearances, a championship, almost back to back. I mean, this team has done more for us than the Lions have ever done. Honestly, more than the you know Tigers have done. I mean, the Tigers did have their 0-6 run, but even they haven't made it to the playoffs, you know, in a long time. Other than that, so the Pistons are in a rebuilding phase. I think as a, as a real fan, you need to accept that. I mean, you can still complain about them, but don't just be a bandwagon fan and watch when this team's you know making it to the Eastern Conference Finals and the championship every year. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> well, you just laughed. You're like, I was going to say something, but... No, it's just... I, that, I don't know. I have not, honestly... I will tell the truth. I have yes. not watched one game of theirs this year after hearing about their fabulous beginning. Well, you need to. I know. I'm going to print out their schedule when I get home, tape it to my wall, and make sure I watch them all from now on. How's that sound? Not bad. <laughs> I mean, you, I, I think they're playing tonight. And uh, I think they're playing Golden State tonight. Uh, it's the last road game on their road trip. And um, after that, uh, Wednesday, you can watch Kobe Bryant. Right? I'm on it. All right? I'm Lakers are coming to the Palace. I'm going to come back Monday. I will have so much information for you. You Good. won't even know what to do with yourself. That's right. <laughs> uh, Matt, you said you might go to that game? I might, yeah. You know, ticket prices are really dropping out <laughs> nowadays. So I mean, I got to ca- See, I didn't I go to a game to last year. Try to go every year. Yeah. With the Pistons, you know, to touch on earlier, in the NBA, this is a common thing. You see it happen all the time. You know, you got a great veteran group that just gets too old, and they can't run with these young athletic superstars. So uh-huh. you saw it at Oklahoma City. They got a good guy, Durant, built around him, had to restart. So it's always a few couple rough years. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, I, I assume this team will bounce back. It's not too hard to make it to the playoffs, especially in the Eastern Conference. In the NBA in general, uh, you don't have to have some fantastic year. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't take a lot to turn it around. But listen, we only have 15 minutes left, and I still have so much to get to, as usual. The show definitely needs to be longer. I know. Maybe, maybe, no, never mind. You're like, nah, let's. Mm, I was going to say, but then there's going to be one week where they do actually make it longer, and then we're going to be like, be like eh, run six out of hour things. show. <laughs> Ran out of Saturday to afternoon. Talk about. So long. I hope not. That's what all the good things happen in sports is in the weekend. And I'll be like, how can I, t- how can I do a show? I can't watch anything. Exactly. I mean, no, I think an hour is good. You talk no. about the important things. That's when you got. That's when you got to pick and choose. All right. Well, let's let's pick and choose this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm picking and choosing this picking one. Picking and choosing. All right. Today, the AL Rookie of the Year award was announced in the MLB, and guess who it went to? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Well, you got two choices, all right? Austin yeah. Jackson or Neftali Feliz. Jackson. Went you... to Feliz. No! It went to Feliz. Uh, yes, this uh, came out today. Uh, Neftali Feliz of the Texas Rangers. He is their closer. He had uh, 40 saves this year. He had a really great rookie year. Uh, as did Austin Jackson. Austin Jackson, in my opinion, I think should have won the award. I agree. Um, I think just as an everyday player, as a leadoff hitter, you know, you know. I mean, uh, Neftali Feliz. He's not. On, he's not pitching every day. And even if he's pitching, he's not even pitching whole innings. And I'm not going to try and get down on a closer. But for an everyday guy like Jackson, who I mean, this guy hit 34 doubles, 10 triples. He batted 293 by you know for the end of the year. Scored over 100 runs, 103 runs for Jackson. Uh, you know, he had an amazing season. He blew out any rookie around that position out of the water. Uh, unfortunately, though. Uh, basically, he only got eight votes. Uh, Neftali Feliz got 20 of the votes. How does that work? Uh, Austin Jackson got eighth, uh, eight votes, and uh, basically uh, Brennan Bosch had three. So, I mean, unfortunate. Uh, but, you know, this is the problem with sports in general, kind of when it comes to uh, MVP awards. They always usually go to the guys with the teams that do well. The teams that make the playoffs, the teams that make deep runs in the playoffs. See, that's the problem. That's, see, the, the Rangers made it, you know, to the World Series. That's, like, that's why Neftali Feliz, in my opinion, or it, you know, if the Rangers go out the first round, I definitely could see this swinging in Jackson's favor. But with not, you know, and he had a good postseason too. He did. You know, he was un, he was unstoppable. I just still think an everyday guy like Jackson, especially batting, when there's nothing at the bottom of that Tigers lineup. There is not a bat out there when it was Laird and Sizemore and, you know, 
you know, Rumpelstiltskin. Like, there's <laughs> there's so many random people that can't bat at the end of that lineup. So basically, he had to do he had to do a lot of work. He, did, okay? he was good too. That's the he was he was real good. That's irritating though. I mean, we talked about Cabrera. You know, the MVP. And everything that's coming out in a week, so right, one week we'll hear about that. I bet you he won't win it either. Because no, he definitely the, won't. The Tigers, you can't you can't base a player on their team. You you honestly can't. Like, unfortunately, you know that's just the way it works now. That it, it works like that in all sports. It's irritating. You see it, it in the NBA. You see it. Yeah. You see it in every sport. The team that has the more more success in the playoffs, because usually one of those teams, you know. They're on one of those, you know, teams that you know have those kind of years, and but the it, because you made it to the playoffs doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily because of that player particularly. You know what I mean? No, it's definitely true. And that's like it's a team sport. Baseball is a team sport. You don't have a pitcher, you can't play the game. You don't have first base, and well, that sucks. You're not gonna get someone out at first. You that's know? true. And you can't just dep- you can't rely just on one person. And because they made it further in you know the playoffs and everything, yeah, okay doesn't necessarily mean you have you're the best player or you're the rookie of the year or you're the MVP. No. That's what's irritating. That's So do you just base it on stats alone then? Would that be a more fair thing to do? I think. Yeah, honestly, I mean, we talked about the MVP too with um Cabrera and how he was uh, you know, was never pitched to. And he was never right. able to, you know, they just would walk him, intentionally walk mm-hmm. him multiple times. He had 31 times. intentional walks. Exactly. He's two away from tying Ted Williams. Exactly. And, you know, he's been intentionally walked so many times that his stats weren't as phenomenal as they could have been had he been pitched to. Right. And I think, I honestly believe that, yeah, look at statistics. No, don't look at the team. That's that's how I believe. It's a tough, it's it's a really, it's a tough area. Uh, I still think Jackson, yeah, definitely deserves this award. I mean, sometimes maybe you do have to kind of look at the team, but I still yeah. think... Overall, like a, an award like this, like I said, everyday player, and that's that's my point is that Jackson went out there every day as a rookie in a tough spot, having to do the you know leadoff. Not to mention he played a phenomenal center field. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played a great job defensively as well. Stole a lot of bases. Uh, the only one thing that he struggled with actually, he had a ton of strikeouts. Uh, he struck out a decent amount, but you know what? That's not always the most terrible thing. You got guys sometimes striking out when they might hit into a double play. Sometimes the strikeout stat can be misleading, honestly, you know, because you can't think of all those times where I mean, I've seen guys again double play ball, double play ball. It's like, well, I wish he would have just struck out. That actually would have been a more favorable situation. I mean, he did a good job. Granderson's a hard player to follow. He is. He, he honestly is. He's great. He is great. He did great on the Yankees this year. Yeah. And for him to fill that position as well as he did, I think he deserved it more. I think he did too. And, you know, basically, I guarantee you Josh Hamilton gets the AL MVP award. I absolutely guarantee it. Uh, with Texas getting as far as they did, and Josh, he didn't have a good World Series necessarily, but he had a good playoffs. Uh, he had he did a really fantastic job in the ALCS. Uh, he will definitely win this award. Uh, I call it now. It's going to be two Rangers and two Tigers sitting below these two awards. You know, which it's not the biggest thing. I mean, here's a quote from Austin Jackson: "I'm not mad or down about the decision. In my eyes, the vote does not impact what I did for my first year in the major leagues. I thought in my eyes I had a successful first year." End quote. And that's all that matters. We know how good this kid is. We know he's going to be with us for a while, and he's going to get. He's only going to get better. You know this. You know there's awards to win down the line. He will win a Gold Glove maybe someday. And you know awards are only so much. We have him as a player, and that's what counts. And that's what I'm happy to see. But we'll have to wait one week, see where the AL MVP award goes. Uh, Buster Posey, for all you National League fans out there, all you San Francisco Giants, uh, Buster Posey won the Rookie of the Year in the NL. 
But we are going to get past baseball because we only have nine minutes. I tell you, every time. Sorry about my rant. <laughs> no, no, it was good rant. I like it. <laughs> For once, I'm the one ranting instead of you. It's good. <laughs> well, real fast, I want to talk about real quickly. Um, I'm not sure how many of our listeners actually were able to catch uh, the fight this weekend. Manny Pacquiao faced Antonio Magrito. Uh, this weekend on uh, pay-per-view. It was a WBC welterweight fight. And Manny Pacquiao won by unanimous decision. He kicked Margarito's butt, basically. I was actually at B-Dubs watching this game. And, uh, yeah, Pacquiao took it to him. Uh, he won unanimously. Uh, Margarito did not win one round in this fight. He did not win one. Pacquiao landed, I think, I believe, over 250 more punches by the end of the fight, than Margarito did. And Margarito, I don't know if you saw any pictures of this. I bet you, I don't know if either of you did. Mm-mm. He had a, he fractured an orbital bone Four right here. And uh, he, his eye, he couldn't even see out it, it seemed like. He just got so beat up. And Pacquiao, I mean, this guy has now won eight world titles at eight different weights. Wow. That's wow. incredible. That's impressive. He's won at 112 pounds, 122. 126, 130, 135, 140, 147, and now 154. That's what you call an athlete right there. Yeah. Not to mention, Margarito in this fight had 17 pounds on Pacquiao. He had 17 pounds on him. He's definitely taller than him. He has a longer reach than him. But Pacquiao danced around this fool and just laid into him. He got some great blows on him many times. Uh, and he just didn't, you know, he didn't need to knock out Margarito. I know me, a lot of my friends, we all want to see, you know, Pacquiao just lay this guy out. But he didn't need to do that. He had won each round pre-handedly. Uh, you know, and Margarito, I got to give him credit. He took these licks. This guy got punched so many times. And uh, just seeing it, when they, they freeze it there in Exmo, and you just see that the head go back. I mean, he got lit up. But he stayed on his feet. The fight wasn't called. Uh, I was happy to see a, you know, a full 12 rounds. Uh, I remember the last Pacquiao fight I actually caught live. Uh, my friend rented it. He bought it on pay-per-view. It was Pacquiao versus Ricky Hatton. That fight lasted a round and a half. <laughs> he knocked yeah. out Ricky Hatton with an uppercut to the chin. And uh, it was an exciting knockout, but it was 50 bucks for about three right. and a half yeah. minutes of boxing. So, uh, you know, a little expensive for the knockout. But um, overall, it was a decent fight, I'd say. Uh, I just think this is a problem that, it's, to me, it's disappointing that this fight is you know, a fight. This is such a big fight. It is such a huge fight. Margarito, like, where's the competition? Boxing's gone just down the down the tube, in my opinion, lately. And yeah. not even more than lately. Like, for a decade, basically. Uh, you know, the whole fight that the whole world wants to see is Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's wondering, are Give we going to get that. this fight? Well, let's get, yeah, where's Money Mayweather? We got to get money. Money, you know, money wants Pacquiao right now to take Olympic-style uh, uh, blood test. And Pacquiao doesn't want to. Well, this leads questions to Pacquiao. Now, why is he at these weights? So many different weights. Is he using substances? What's going on? And then, well, you know, and that's, that's a suspicion. So that's what Mayweather's suspicious of. That how can a guy jump up in weight so fast or so easily, yet not lose any speed? You know, just you know, not lose any you know strength. Not lose any muscle. He just jumps right up. So, and that's what's kind of making Mayweather weary. And I can understand that. Bottom line is, for all you fans, this fight's going to happen. It will happen. There's way too much money on the table for this fight not to go down. I mean, you're talking about potential 30, 40, 50 million deals for each of these fighters if they do it. We're talking 40 million bucks for a fight. Pacquiao got 20 million for this fight against Margarito. This is so much money on the table just for everyone involved. When there's this much money at hand, trust me, it's going to happen. 
either Mayweather's going to back down and say, you don't need to take these kind of tests, or Pacquiao's finally going to say, whatever, test me. Test me and let's do it. It'll happen soon enough. Uh, you know, just give it some time. It's time. It's going to hype up. And you know what? And that's another thing. I was listening to this great point made by Teddy Atlas. He's an ESPN insider for uh, boxing. And he was saying, maybe this is Mayweather's way of just making this fight even bigger. Delaying right. it. Delay it. Delaying it, causing kind of this drama. Let it just getting to this monumental point where everyone's just begging and dying to see it. And the dollar signs are so crisp. That you know, and then then and then they jump on board for this fight. That might be the case. Nonetheless, I want to see a really good boxing match. Match. So hopefully, this happens sometime soon. But we have four minutes, and I'm going to get to my interesting facts because they always end the show with a laugh. With me, at least, I get to. I love. I normally laugh. You do. Because there's some very very interesting. Trust me, there's some ones. really weird ones in this. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. These are again. These are just uh, records. Okay. Just random records. Uh, just like last week, Monopoly. You know, in the tub, <laughs> that was a record. Uh, trust me. Here's another one. They don't make too much sense at times. This one's a little gross. I'm sorry to start off this way, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Bernard Clemens of London managed to sustain a fart for an officially recorded time of two minutes and forty two seconds. <laughs> so, if that's possible, that's. I don't know how they caught that. They had to just they had the stopwatch on hand, I guess. <laughs> um, let's move on to the next one. Uh, the longest street in the world is Yonga Street, which stands in Toronto on the north shore of Lake Ontario and winds its way north then west to end all around Ontario, Ontario, Manitoba, Minnesota border. So it's just a wow. really long street. Oh, for some reason, I heard short. I was confused for a second. No. That is a very it's long a, street, though. It's a long street. In my contacts, I tell you, this font is so small. Okay, I'm going to get moving real close. Here we go. <laughs> All right, the Bigham Canyon copper mine in Utah is the biggest man-made hole on Earth. It is more than a half a mile deep and two and a half miles across. An astronaut can see this hole from the space shuttle with his bare eyes. Wow. It's a big hole in the ground. It's a giant hole in the ground. All right. For all you big roller coaster fans out there, one of the world's tallest, fastest roller coasters is Buffalo Bill's Desperado. Where's it at? I believe it's at Six Flags. Texas. Oh, I thought the biggest one was in Japan. That's what I heard. It might be. I That's know. what I heard, Japan. I Did you hear Japan, Japan, too? Yeah, I heard Japan. Yeah. Oh, well, you're smart. Why didn't you hey. say that earlier? <laughs> huh? Okay. Yeah, we're moving on. <laughs> All right, uh, Westwood Studios' computer game, Command & Conquer, is the most successful war game series of all time, according to Guinness Book of World Records. That will, well, that will change. I mean, you got Call of Duty, people are... No, in- wait a minute, wait a minute. Command & Conquer, I played that since way back, since I was about oh, yeah. eight years old, beat all of them. That is a great series. I applaud that. I it mean, is- Call of Duty, though, is becoming so big. It's gigantic. The problem, I mean, I guess you can play it on the computer, but I think most people just play it for the Xbox. Right. So I don't know if it matches the same criteria I mean, for I this mean, record. Since Black Ops just came out the other night, that's yeah, all right. I've been hearing about from Seriously, all these guys. Right? <laughs> all right, here's another one. Behram, an Indian thug, holds the record for the most murders by a single individual. He strangled 931 people between 1790 and 1840 with a piece of yellow and white cloth called a rumal. The most by a woman is 610 by Countess Azerbet Bathory of Hungary. That's a lot of strangulations. I'm sorry, is that a joke? Yeah, a that's not a joke, that's that, a fact. Like, did you make that one up? No, that's not made up. How do you strangle not over 900 people? How do you get away with strangling 930? Well, obviously they found out, but... 50 years of strangling? Jeez, oh you get away with anything back then. That is the most ridiculous serial killer I've ever heard of. It's pretty bad. That is really bad. All right, let's go on to something that's not as scary. All right, the world's biggest trap. 
called a bunker in Europe, is Hell's Half Acre on the 530-meter, 585-yard seventh hole of the Pine Valley course in Clementon, New Jersey, built in 1912 and generally regarded as the world's most trying course. That is a far hole. Uh, that's in 585 yards. I'd probably take me like 20, 20 hits at least. Yeah. I'm not good at golf. I don't know. You good at golf, Matt? Uh, no, actually, I just uh, got into it last summer. I hit the driving range with my grandpa's old clubs from uh, around you know the 50s or 60s, so they're falling apart. My bag doesn't even stand up. You said it was five what? Uh, it's uh, 585 yards. I can drive about 200. That's good. All right. Okay, we got to get one last one in. Uh, here's the last one. The longest bout of sneezing recorded was by Donna Griffin. It began in January 1981 and continued until September 1983. It lasted for 978 days, and that's 4,687,514 gazoontites. Like eyeballs will pop out of your head. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, thanks to all of our listeners out there who t- tuned in this evening. And a uh, very special thanks again to Matt Jackson for coming to the show today. Really appreciate it. All right, well, listen, you're listening to Spartan Sports Rap, and I'm Dave Ferencu. Oh, I'm not, I'm not yet. I'm sorry. I'm oh, yeah. It's like, I'm not going to sign <laughs> off. I'm just <laughs> All right, you guys have a great night. Later. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Rap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.